It says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And then the writer says this, now choose life. This is God speaking right here. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. Let me try to fix this word. It won't do that no more. I got something something going wrong. It's like my blow dryer at the house. I, I hold it like here and it quits. It's got a short in it. And uh, pray for my microphone today. But the writer says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. Well, that sounds strong. Witnesses against you. Is God against us? We could read this and we could take it out of context. God's not against us. He's just saying, I have witnesses that I have set before you life. Let's just look at that first part. God says, I have set before you life. I have given you a choice. I've set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. And God says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. What we choose is, what we choose is, is adults affects our kids. The, the life we choose to live affects our families. It affects every area of life. God's saying, I've got witnesses here that I've given you an opportunity to have life and to have blessings. But I've also given you an opportunity that you can choose death and that you can choose curses. Because as the Almighty Father, I'm not going to impose my will upon you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm giving you a clear-cut choice. It's your choice. You can live life to the full, or you can live life going down a road where you're always empty, you're always miserable, and you can put it on Facebook every five minutes. And the whole world can know about your misery. And there's people, I, I promise you, I have Facebook. I can look. I can see those that got life, and they're getting refreshed in their life. Some of y'all will probably unfriend me after this, but it's okay. Uh, no, you'll just block me where I don't know. <laughs> That's that button in it, and just block him. He can't see my post no more. But, but we have choices in life, and we have opportunities to choose life or to choose death. And, and in this uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3, Paul says, Paul says this, and he's talking about end times attitudes at this point in time. And he says, There will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times. In fact, this word terrible is the same translation that Jesus used when he was talking about the demoniac. Same exact word. There's a spirit behind this. It, there's, there's a spirit that we choose to accept about this. And, and you can choose blessings, you can choose curses, you can choose life, you can choose death. But Paul said there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. No, my kids are pretty good. Ungrateful, unholy, Without love and unforgiving. How many of you know people that they, they get in a place in their life where they just don't forgive others? 
and they get so hurt that they won't even set foot back in a church because somebody hurt them in that church because they have no forgiveness in their life, and it's always somebody else's fault It's because they caused me to have problems, and it, it's all about them when it really has nothing to do about them and everything to do about us because it's, it's a heart choice is what God is telling us here. It, it's a choice that... That we choose. So I want to cover the four things he's talking, Paul's talking about in this verse. And this is the condition of the world right now. We're in a bad place. This is this is where the in this world as we live, we see this every day. This is not something I'm showing you that's that's new. There's ungrateful. There's people without love. There's people that are unforgiving. So we're going to start with ungrateful today. Ungrateful is when we get so focused on what we want. We forget what we have. There's always something better. There's always a new phone or a new car or a new TV, and we're just never content with those things. Remember when the Walkman came out? For y'all younger folks that have seen Guardians of the Galaxy, it's that little box the cassette tape goes in that he... He has, and that, that, that's what we call, when I was a teenager, we didn't have iPads and iPhones, and we had a phone with a cord on it, and you'd walk to talk to your girlfriend private, and you'd, you'd do that number, you know, because Dad shortened the card cord because he wanted to hear your conversation. And uh, he went and bought a shorter, card, a shorter cord when you uh, became a teenager. And, um, and so you're sitting over in the corner, yeah, 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 I love you too. What'd you say to that girl, boy? <laughs> you don't love her. In fact, you ain't even going out with her. Because there's always something better. And, and so I couldn't wait. I wanted a Walkman so bad. And then they came out with the new Walkmans, the new and the proved ones. You can bring me a microphone. I think it's antenna. Anyway, they had the... Uh, Show the world my side now. They all gonna get sick and leave. That good? That's, that's okay. Anyway, they came out with the new Walkman. It was the the CD version. There we go. Uh, it was the CD version. You know, it had the CD player, and it was just really cool. And, I just couldn't wait. I had to have one because it's got a CD version, you know, and I had the cassette tapes were going out, you know, and, you know, I remember when there were eight tracks. I'm really dating myself, you know, the great big bulky ones, you know. You, if you could carry four of them to your car, you, you had big hands, you know, and today you can carry 500 CDs and CDs are out. You carry a little USB and it has everything on it. You just plug it in. Or your phone has all your music on it. You don't need all this stuff, you know. We were impaired in my day. We had we had the big stuff with a CD, and you got a scratch on it. Your favorite song started over again, and and so you know you you it had auto rewind. <laughs> it was called a scratch, and. And, and then, then you'd strap it to your arm so you'd look cool, go jogging with it, and every time you skipped, it skipped. And uh, it was a beautiful thing. And these kids don't know the struggles of the real world. I've had struggles. They ain't never had no struggles. Their song ain't never skipped at their favorite part. 
don't stop. It stopped right before I got to believing. I mean, it stopped. It was over with. These kids don't know. And so we got to have the newest stuff, and we become ungrateful. This is what Paul's talking about here. It's greed is what it is. The better and the more you get, the more miserable you are. Somewhere in the more, there is less. Somewhere in the less, there is more. My grandparents were pretty happy people. They didn't have all the stuff that we have today. Their cars didn't even have A.C., you know, they had that, that 250 AC. You roll down the two windows doing 50. I mean, my first truck didn't have AC. I remember those days. I bought it from my, one of my dad's uh, friend's father's. It was a 1953 GMC pickup, three on the tree. Had a button on the floor that if you wanted high beams, you had to smash it. And not all the time did the smash work. And to start it, you had to put it in neutral, and you had to hit the button on the right side, and that started it. Now there's a fancy thing. You don't even have to put your key in. You just hit a button and it starts. Sometimes in the less, there was more. And that leads to Paul's next point, which is we become unholy. It's because we start looking to things instead of looking to God. And we carry shame and guilt around, and it causes pain, and it causes attitudes in our lives that only Jesus can heal. And our unholiness causes us to be unloving because we no longer have the heart after God, which is a heart of love, and we quit caring about people. And uh, before you understand what unloving is, you have to know what true agape love is, which is what Jesus had for us. He, he gave his life so that we could live. It's un, unselfish. It's, it's intentional love where you do it on purpose because you love people. You don't even have to think about it. That's what agape love is. It's, it's always putting others first. It's always putting others before yourself. And it's caring without thought for yourself. I think the power of the cross explains itself. But to teenagers today, we could have said, Jesus would have done, done without his iPhone for you. And it might be more powerful than the revelation they have of what the cross actually is. But, but the cross was the most torrential thing that could happen to a man. It was the most horrible thing. It was agape love. We see it in the media every day. And people say, well, what's wrong with our media today? Let me tell you what's wrong with our media today. There's no more agape love in this world. Uh, they're, they're an unloving, selfish organization that cares nothing but about themselves. And it's anything to turn a buck is what it is. I'll put anything on the news. I'll talk about anybody, even if I don't even know the facts are right or not, just to make a dollar. Nowhere in the world other than the last 12 years have we seen presidents slandered and talked about like they were ordinary uh, men that didn't have a title and didn't have a role. They're still our president. I don't care if they're Democrat. I don't care if they're Republican. There's an honor and there's a code that our media no longer plays by because they're unloving and they're hateful, and it's whoever we can take down today. And that spirit has infiltrated our country. 
And that's the truth. Selfishness pollutes our hearts. It causes to lack any fresh air. We can't get breath because we suffocate ourselves with a lack of love and with greed. And we have to choose life. It's our choice. And then Paul talks about unforgiving. It creates a caustic environment inside of you. These are all tools of the devil, by the way. He's just perfected them over the last 2,000 years. Jesus freely forgives us and wipes away all of our sin. He does that freely. But yet we, we have to hold bitterness in our hearts. And the truth is, if we can't accept forgiveness from somebody other than him, we can never truly accept his forgiveness and, and his love. And so that's why the, the Arthur says, and God says, choose life. It's an attitude we choose. We choose the attitudes in our life. We choose good ones and we, we choose bad ones. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what his goal for us is. He came so that we could have life. He came so that we could have love. He came so we could forgive. That is why he came. He wanted us to be on full all the time. James 1.4, and this is Jesus' brother. Jesus' brother speaking here. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may perfect be perfect and complete and lack nothing. He's talking about attitude here. Count it all joy when you have trouble in your life. Count it, count it all joy. In fact, Landon Galloway this week when we were at conference said this, and it, it was remarkable. He said, Jesus' worst day was James's best day, his brother, because something happened on that day that could forgiveness and love and mercy We worried about the pain that other people cause us. And you can't pick your pain. That's one thing you have to realize. But we can pick our posture. We can pick how we respond to the pain and how we respond to others. We see road rage on an annual basis. Every single day, somebody getting mad. It's because they chose the pain instead of the right posture. We as Christians have to be better. We have to stand up. We have to choose our posture. You can't change your situation, but we can change our attitudes. Character is more important than the pain that you're going through. Have you ever noticed we're always one step away from joy? Well, if I had this, I'd just have joy. If I could just afford that new house, I'd have joy. If I could just have that car, I'd have joy. And we put, our we put false expectations in our life, and we put a false realization in our life where we never achieve joy because our joy is not in Him like it should be. Our joy is not in things. It's not in the world. It's not in people. It's in Him. It says, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Fullness. Sometimes we need to let the pain take effect in our life because God's trying to do something in us. In fact, 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. He said everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, when things are going wrong in your life, give thanks. When you're having a bad day, give thanks in everything you do. Because this is what God's will is. God's will is that we're thankful for everything that happens, even the pain in our lives. And then in verse 19, he says, don't quench the spirit. I love how as Pentecostals, we, we, we blame quenching the spirit on a worship service. We say, we just sang one more song, but no, we quenched the spirit. The spirit was moving but we quenched it. We cut that last song out. That pastor just, he's got to cut it off every week. If you'd have been in his presence before you got here, you wouldn't need the last song to get to where you need to be. Wow, I said that. That came out before I thought about it. But, but the deal is, we, we were like quenching the Holy Spirit to a worship service or a church service when in truth... We quench his spirit when we don't give thanks. We, we quench his spirit when, when we don't choose the right attitude. And, and we don't choose the right posture while going through our pain. Now, I have an oyster example that I stole this week. And it was good, so I stole it. And I admit I stole it. I'd, I've heard it before, but I'm going to use it this morning. An oyster is a slimy, nasty little thing in a shell. Anybody eat oysters in here? I eat them. I love them. I like raw oysters, a little horseradish and cocktail sauce. and I don't just let them slide either. I chew them up. I love them with a cracker. They're good. And the, and the juicier, and they call it the milk, that, 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 that juicy substance on the inside. The milk squirts between your teeth. It's great stuff. I, I just love it. Some of y'all are getting grossed out. It's okay. Jen's like, hurry up, move on. But th there's a point to this. The other day, we were at the seafood restaurant, and I was eating fried oysters. I love them. Bit in some heart. <coughs> Little pearl, about that big around. Wasn't big enough to do nothing with. He was just big enough to break a tooth. But, but the thing is, those pearls, and I did. I had my tooth fixed. But <laughs> that's not what broke it, but... Those, those little pearls are beautiful things. One thing about an oyster is, is it's just laying on the bottom of the ocean, minding its own business. Never messes with anybody or anything. But all of a sudden, a speck of sand comes into its life. And that speck of sand's an irritant. And, and something you need to know about oysters, they don't have hands. That piece of salt gets in the shell... With the oyster, and it can't scratch, it can't wiggle, it can't do nothing. It's just irritated, and the oyster becomes ticked off. And, and when this oyster becomes ticked off and mad, it produces a hormone to deal with the irritant. And that hormone causes, causes this uh, little shell to be formed around the speck of sand. And about five to six years later, that irritant becomes what we know as a full-grown pearl. 
And there's oyster farmers in this world, and they take, they'll take a million oysters and they'll drop them in some beds in the ocean. And then they do the unthinkable. As the boss of all the oysters, they introduce irritants into their life. And we don't like it when God introduces irritants into our life. We don't like it when there's someone sitting next to us at work that just drives us crazy. And we have hands and we have mouths, so we say stuff. But in turn, it was the master that might have put the irritant in your life. Because he knows five or six down the, years down the road, the only way you'll have pearls in your life, the only way you'll have reward in your life, is when you're obedient and you're thankful for the irritants that are there. God has the ability to create something beautiful out of our pain. You say, well, I didn't want that pain. I didn't ask for that pain. Well, Jesus knew you didn't want that pain. God knew you didn't ask for that pain. But he said, the only way I can get you to where you need to be is to introduce some irritants into your life. Sometimes if we just let go and let God, he'd turn all those bad stuff in our life. And we were just thankful to him. And we were just doing his will, which is to be thankful when everything happens. And we just become thankful, beautiful things will come out of it. Proverbs 17.22 says it like this, A cheerful heart is good medicine. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. This scripture is not for when you, you need joy. This scripture is for when... The whole world's falling apart around you. And, and you, you've lost a loved one or something else is going. God said, I know you're having a bad day, but be thankful because my joy is your strength. I'm there all the time. And I want to give you four solutions for the four problems that we, we talked about. And, and the deal is we make, we make the choice every day of what our attitude is going to be. We make the choice of how we're going to live our life. And life is 10% of what happens to us. It's about 10% of what happens to us. But it's, you want to hear the key? It, it's 90% of what we do with what happens. It, it, it is what, what our problems and, our, and the things that bug us are. It, it's 10% it's of what actually happened, but 90% of the attitude that we develop, or 90% or of what we do. And when we can become thankful, we can have a fresh breeze, a fresh air, constantly blowing in our life. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Psalms 19.14, and this is a prayer I pray all the time, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In other words, even when things don't look good, even when, when you're mad, you, there, there, this is a prayer you can pray. Lord, let every word that comes out of my mouth be pleasing to you. I speak faith over this house. Every time you hear me pray, I'm going to say, God, what you want to do with the church, 
Do it in this church. It doesn't matter what's happened in this church in the last week. That's my prayer because I stand on faithful faith, and I'm, I'm thankful for everything that he's doing. Even if it don't look like we're getting a breakthrough this week, next week my breakthrough's on the way because I've spoke it out before it ever needed to be here. And I just speak faith in my life. God, what you want to do with kids? Do it in my kids. I pray that every day. Lord, what, you, what, what, you, what scouts need to come our way so we get free college, let them come our way. Got to shake Thomas Herman's hand this week. Got to, got to catch some passes in front of Urban Meyer this week. And, and we just believe for divine favor in our life. We speak it over our life. And those guys may never look at him again, but he got the opportunity to do it. Because God's faithful, and we speak life into ourselves. We have to pray life over ourselves. Happiness is something you decide ahead of time. I'm just going to tell you that right now. We decide when we wake up in the morning whether we're going to be happy or sad or glad or mad. We decide all those things. So make the choice every day that, God, today is your day. I don't care what the devil throws my way, because when you start praying like that, he's going to throw some stuff your way. Look, Lester Summerall said this years ago, it's been my favorite saying, unless you hit the devil head on first thing in the morning, you might be going the same direction. Hit him straight in the head. Let him know, devil, I am up this morning. I've done ran into the store and told somebody about Jesus, and I'm taking them from you. They're coming to church on Sunday. Speak life in everything that we do. Number two, develop a high appreciation for life. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I like my glass. My glasses, if it's if it's only got half the content in it, I say it's half full. I don't want to say it's half empty. Because I want to be appreciative for everything that I have. I want to speak positivity. In fact, I think if I could get the Republicans and the Democrats all in the room together, I think I could make a difference in them. But 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 the deal is, you know, that would be a miracle. And there would have to be God intervention in the middle of it because they just don't want to get along. Hey, they can agree on something, but they'll choose to disagree because well, we can't agree with them. But it's all about attitude. I want to send people to Washington that got the attitude, I can fix this. I can do this. I want God-ordained people with God-ordained attitudes. You want to know what's wrong with our society? It's we got too many people in power that are negative from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep that it'll never work. And if you believe it'll never work, it will never work. If you believe that you can make it work, it'll always work. There's always a way. I tell young people all the time, well, we're going to get married when we can afford it. If you wait till you can afford to get married, you'll never get married. Well, we're going to wait till we can afford to have kids to have kids. You can wait till you afford to have kids, you'll never have kids. Sometimes you just got to do some stuff. 2 Corinthians 6.10, Paul said, Sorrowfully, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Man, that's the kind of guy I want to hang out with. He said, I may not have everything, but I got everything. It's a way of living. It's a way of life. It's, it's not looking to things for your joy. He said, I got everything that I will ever need. In fact, I got treasures up in heaven waiting on me. Because some of the richest people here on earth will be some of the poorest people when they get up there because they ain't never put riches in the right place. 
It's about putting him in the right place. Paul says, I, I don't need all these things because I've already got everything. Everything that I need, God's already made a way when there seemed to be no way. He's already got me out of prison before I got into prison. He's already made every path right. He said, because I know in my God there is something. Something, and it's always more than what I need. Always more. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us. I read this earlier. It's God's will. Number three, find something positive in everything. Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that's what you need to think about. Find, find something in your life that's worthy. Find something in your life that's notable. Find something in your life that you're happy with. And focus on those things. That's what he's saying. Think about such things. I can, I've come to the conclusion that pain in my life well, it will either irritate me or it will entertain me. And I've decided that everything in life is fun. I laugh about everything. Because you know what? It's just another day with Jesus. And I knew before there was a problem, there was a solution. And he died for me on Calvary. There, I got more solutions than I got problems. I don't, in fact, I don't even say I have problems no more. I have opportunities. It's a way of doing life. It's a way of thinking. And it's God-ordained. Number four, turn everything over to God in your life. Look, mistakes aren't the problem. Our mistakes aren't our problems. They're not. It's what you do with your mistakes that's your problem. Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. He said, he said My wisdom, which translates anything you can know or think about, is already made away. It's already, it's already taken care of you. And even if you think you're going through pain, even though you think you're suffering, even though you think all these things are going out, God says, I got a plan. Guard your hearts about being negative. Guard your hearts about all these things. The key is we have to let it be God's problem, not ours. And, and it can't be his problem and our problem all at the same time. It can't be. I've given y'all a lot of good information this morning. 1 Peter 5, 7. It says cast. That word cast in the Greek is uh, throw. Throw all your anxiety. Throw all your attitudes. Throw all your problems on him because he cares for you. He cares for us. He loves us. He's had, he, knows what, he knows what you're going to go through before you ever go through it. And he's already made a way out. We just got to learn how to lean on him. The reason we don't have fresh air in our life, the reason we don't feel like we have no wind in ourselves is because we have decided there's no wind in ourselves. The minute we start focusing on God and quit focusing on our problems, here comes a breath of fresh air and there goes our boat right to where it needs to go. We don't have to row. We don't have to work. It's already been handled. It's already been done. It's all about attitude. And I want to end this as our fresh air principle number two. I'm going to end with the scripture today. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. 
It says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. In other words, he said, listen, though I was God, I made myself nothing. I gave it all up. I gave my throne. I gave everything up. I made myself into the lowliest of the lowly. I was born in a manger. I, I gave it all up. Everything just for you. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. See, Jesus had to become obedient to death. He had to surrender. He had to surrender. In fact, he surrendered so much, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my life. That's the problem with us today. We have to realize there has to come a point in our life where we say, Father, I surrender everything to you today. I give it all to you. Because if we're trying to do it, God can't. And Jesus knew that principle ahead of time. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we choose a Christ-like attitude and we make ourselves the lowliest above men, that's when God exalts us. That's when God takes us to where he wants us to be. And that's when he can really use us. Stand with me today. Somebody in this room has probably been going through some pain. I go through pain all the time. It's something that we, we don't need to be ashamed of. It's, it's a real life part of this world. We all go through pain. We all go through things. Somebody here today might be saying, Pastor, I've gone through so much pain in the last few years or the last few months or the last few weeks. You just, it's indescribable. And I've tried to deal with it every way that I know how. I've tried to push it to the side and it just comes back. And I can't escape the pain. I can't ex escape the tormenting. I can't, I can't escape any of those things. And I would say to you today, and I know this is a hard answer, but it might be time to give your pain to Jesus. It, it might be time to turn it over to Him. Because when we do that, that's only when we can live life to the full. You might say, well, my relationship with Jesus has kind of slid, slid in a backwards fashion. Pastor, I, I, I haven't been that close to him. I haven't spent a lot of time with him. Will he really hear me? Will he really take it from me? And I'll tell you that Jesus, everything that he did was for you. It's because his love, agape love, was about you before you ever existed. And he's just waiting there, waiting for you to turn it all over to him. He's just waiting for you to walk down this altar so that he can heal you, 
so that he can bless you, so that he can do those things in your life that seem impossible, and he can turn the irritants into pearls in your life. That's what he wants to do with you today. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down. And as they come down, if you need Jesus to do something in your life, if this message spoke to you today, don't be ashamed. Don't worry about what other people think because that's not that's what we were just talking about. This is about saying, God, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to turn it over to God today because I'm tired of living with it. Sometimes in life, we got to get we got to get to the point where we're so irritated that we let a hormone called Jesus just come and form a little shell around it. And he makes the irritant into something beautiful. He wants to do that for you today. Father, I bless them today as they go. I thank you. They're blessed in this city. Father, what you want to do in a city, do it in this city. What you want to do with the people, do it in our people. And Father, let everyone that we come into contact with this week, Father, let us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let, let us bless everyone that we see today, Father. And let, let us be life and let us have it to the full. In your name we pray. Amen.